You know, I shudder every time I read or hear someone expounding the belief that work teams are just like sports teams, comparing the two as if what works with one will automatically work with the other. Well, for a start, I don't shower with my colleagues, and my game lasts between 10 and 12 hours, five or six days a week. Let's remember that the humans we are working with today are more or less the same as the ones that existed 100,000 years ago, your basic homo sapiens. Without a team, they couldn't hunt and therefore starved. Okay, the context is different and some rules have changed over time. Uh, Bashing another team member with your club to indicate displeasure is simply not done. Running off with their mate still is, but these days we call it having an office affair. So without complexity and in its simplest form, here are the basic rules of team building. Let's start with communication. An effective team, that's the one that's achieving its objectives, has lots of channels for transmitting and receiving information between team members so that vats of info are sloshing around and any team member who wants to know something can find out whatever it is they need to know. The expression, knowledge is power, is only used in a team sense as in empowerment and not in the way some individuals hoard and hide info in order to disempower others or to protect their patch. Part of the leader's role is to supply those channels and encourage their use, including channels to other teams. Let's look at supporting each other. When a team member is in trouble, the team rallies around and offers whatever support it can muster, instead of standing idly by and taking bets on how long it'll take for this person to implode completely. It indicates a need for a degree of multitasking and fluidity in job descriptions. Demarcation or ring fencing has no place in effective teams. Learning from our mistakes. An effective team reacts first by fixing the mistake, no matter who has to do it or how it gets done. And after the dust has settled, then examines the mistake as a team in a blameless environment, more interested in how, why, when, where and what happened, and not so interested in who did it. The purpose is to discover hidden weaknesses in the system or process, continuously changing the process to close out or minimise the chances of the same mistake happening again. Sharing the leadership burden. While I hold fast to the concept that the leader has final responsibility and therefore should also have the final say, Effective teams are staffed by people who accept a degree of responsibility for doing some of the thinking, some of the planning, some of the caring for others, and using their initiative in such a way that leaders are only focusing their attention on serious issues, not the operational day-to-day. The expression, that's the boss's problem, is not used. All problems are team problems. Now let's talk about objectives. Why should I work hard and cooperate with others in the pursuit of a goal I know nothing about, or don't agree with, or wasn't consulted on? All too often, objectives are imposed on others who may be powerless to a degree and who accept in mute submission 
then later leaders wonder why the team are apathetic and not showing any spark. Well, why should they? If open communication truly exists, team members can have intelligent input on what the objectives should be and how they will be measured. I will work harder for a goal where I've had at least some input in establishing it. And there you have it. Something similar is probably visible in an illustrated form on the walls of the caves at Lascaux, painted by an entranced shaman to help a frustrated clan leader and leaders to come 20,000 years ago. So there you go. Plant early, water often, and remember to fertilize. Carpe diem.